Hey everyone and welcome to Founders 365 with me, Stephen Haggerty. Today we have one of the co-founders of New Oceans, Mr. Flavio Affinito. And I really like saying his surname like that, I don't know why. How are you doing, Flavio? I'm doing very well, thanks Stephen. Thanks for the invite, excited to be here. No, thank you for coming on. Uh, I'm super, super excited to hear more about New Oceans and what your... I would say you're a company with a mission, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, we're going to jump into that and all sorts. So for anyone that doesn't know you or doesn't know what New Oceans represents, what is New Oceans? So New Oceans is a startup right now. We're a, we're a very young startup that was created with the purpose of tackling big environmental catastrophes. And what we started with was plastic pollution. But we really, we really focused on, you know, what, where is plastic pollution being tackled and where is it not being tackled? And when we had a, actually not that very long a look, a pretty quick look, we realized that there's this huge amount of pollution that's caused by, believe it or not, flip-flops, like just your standard kind of cheap quality average yeah. flip-flops. They actually account for 10 to 20% of every single beach clean no and they're way. recyclable. Wow. We realized that was going on. And other than one company in Kenya, no one was really doing anything about it. So we thought, right, okay, what we want to do is make a difference. We want to tackle big environmental challenges mm -hmm. and right here that no one's doing anything about. So let's go ahead. Let's find a solution. Let's do something about it. So we, we set up to essentially reuse these old flip-flops and make new pairs of sandals. Wow, that like I said, a company with a mission. Um, I'm I'm shocked that twenty percent of every beach cleanup is flip flops. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible because you know most beach cleanups uh, they happen in countries, um, developing countries, a lot in mm -hmm. Africa, quite a bit in Southeast Asia, also South America, and over there, that's you know that's what most people wear. It's all flip. Yeah. Most of the world actually wears flip flops on a daily basis. Mm. There's so many of them that are being produced. You know, millions of pairs every year. Havinas alone sells um, a crazy amount of pairs, about like 400 million or something like that, which is you know, one company. And there's plenty of others, really small ones. And people wear them and then they just discard them or they just lose them. You know, all sorts of things happen. And they just mm -hmm. round and end up on the beach because they're quite big. Most of the time, they don't degrade too much. Yeah. They get washed up a lot. It's... Uh... When, when you first spotted this problem, what was going through your head in terms of wanting to find a solution? Yeah, well, I'd say actually this is um, way at the beginning. I was actually working in research. So I was a researcher. I'd worked here in London with Imperial College. So I worked on, uh, on global warming and that kind of the effect on animals. And then I went off to study marine mammals in, uh, in Montenegro and the Balkans. So I was working in research and because that's where my passion was. It was in marine biology. And when my friends uh, invited me back to come back to London and do something together, the only real criteria we had is we want to do something that matters. We want to tackle, we want to tackle a big environmental challenge. Mm. And we sat essentially in my mum's living room for a whole week, just brainstorming everything that came to mind. And one of the topics that came to mind was how about, you know, plastic pollution, because obviously it's a really big topic right now and yeah, there's things going on around it. So we don't just want to create throw, um, reusable bottle or whatever, because we don't need that right now. We need a real solution to something else. Yeah. 
we were just you know throwing throwing ideas out and one of the ideas that came out was hey what about flip-flops and then we're like oh yeah what about flip-flops what's what's interesting about flip-flops at that stage we didn't really know anything about flip-flops and so we started digging into it and we were like wait a minute this is actually huge this is actually a big 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 problem that no one's about so we just at the end of that full week we had a bunch of other ideas we spoke to people we spoke to over three four hundred people about all of our ideas and everyone was like oh that that flip-flop idea that's that's a really cool idea how about how about that one and um that's how it started essentially okay that's that's the right idea it's it's close to my heart because it's marine biology essentially Mm -hmm. and uh and people love it we love it and it's a big problem massive it's it's funny how you said how you said that everyone said that oh no one's talking about it because you know when i think about when i've gone on holiday or or you know when i lived in france i used to just buy flip-flops like they like almost like they were plastic bags right you know Mm. you need some flip-flops you go and buy some uh i've never thought about it in the sense of what happens to them which is really awful of me now you're making me feel you're making me feel (laughs) really bad uh but I'm guessing that's the same with pretty much everyone, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not. We're not at all here to start blaming people and telling them you've it's been buying these flip flops and so on. Because the truth is, you know, most people. It's not even like there's a standard material in the industry. People are doing whatever the hell they want mm-hmm. with a whole bunch of different materials coming from a whole bunch of different places. Even when we say plastics, it's not like there's one plastic for flip flops. Yeah. Alone in in one polymer, you can have like six or seven different types, which. Is- real problem comes from they're completely mm-hmm. recyclable you can't mix them so people don't know they just get told you know here's a pair of flip-flops most of them assume it's rubber which yeah and you know in most cases it's not actually rubber it's plastic mm-hmm. but people don't necessarily associate these kind of soft materials to plastic and it's sold really cheaply so i wouldn't blame consumers but it's something that people can know now because it's not a secret anymore yeah so what are you doing with them? What happens to the flip-flops when they come into the new ocean recycling plant? Let's put it that way. Yeah, so that was that was the initial challenge. So when we said, you know, here we go, we're going to do this, <laughs> use these flip-flops, look at us come, we quite quickly realized why no one was reusing them. <laughs> you know, they're not that easy to reuse. Yeah. A lot of materials, most of them unrecyclable, what you pick up off the beach, some of it's okay, some of it's completely degraded by the sun, the salt, whatever. So our first challenge was how, well, A, what are we working with? What are the materials that we're finding? B, what condition are they in? And C, what can we do about with them? So we tried recycling in the traditional sense, which is essentially you melt it down, you chop it up, and then you reuse it almost as new by mixing it with other things. And quite quickly, quickly we realized that all the stuff we were trying to melt down was actually burning mm. and, and that's it you can't do anything with it so quite quickly we saw okay we can't we actually can't recycle it we tested it tested it here in the uk we tested it in um in austria tested it in italy we even tested it in indonesia and everyone was like no guys there's nothing we can do with this it's just a disaster so we actually speaking to other people, looking at, at what other other people were doing. And we spoke to one of our volunteers in Indonesia who does plastic collection. And she was saying, oh, I know this guy in Thailand, this professor who's actually working with these materials. Why don't you give him a call? And so I thought, yeah, okay, sure. Let's have a chat with him. And that's when we realized that this guy in Thailand actually came up with a really cool idea. So we started working with him. And 
essentially we're not even recycling in the sense of in the traditional sense we're just upcycling so okay. we have these materials giving them a nice clean putting them together and then we process them by shredding them heating them gluing them together and we get these new sheets of materials from these old pair of flip-flops so we go mm. from essentially a pile a pile of flip-flops to nice square sheets that we can then reuse to make sandals right got you so what is the difference in very layman terms to, between the recycling and upcycling well essentially recycling is um involves a lot of chemistry most of the time it's not just it's not just mechanical things because yeah. Thing. you need you need some chemistry knowledge you need to remix the materials that's why people tell you you know you can't recycle indefinitely because most of the time when you recycle you mix with new things you get a lot of it recycled and then a little bit new but with upcycling you're essentially just taking it and using mechanical processes you do something new with it so you're not treating the materials well i mean we're cleaning them and all that kind of stuff yeah. you're not treating them with any hard chemicals or you're not mixing them with any new chemicals you're just taking something old, processing it mechanically, and doing something new with it. Got you. So there's a number of um, there's another number of founders within New Oceans, right? Yeah. What what are the individual roles within you, and how did you guys come up with a dynamic that works? Probably That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> we took we took quite some time actually before defining roles because when we started, as I mentioned, there was essentially there's just two of us. So one good friend I met when I came to London for university. So we'd known each other for like five, six years at that point. So it was just two of us and we just did everything. And we even, most of the time we even did everything together because we were, neither of us were business background people. So we were learning as we were going and looking back on it, there's so many things we could have done. <laughs> we just did, did everything always together. Did. Even, if yeah. you had, even if you had the team from day <laughs> one, it still would have been the same. For sure. And then the other guy who joined us, I actually met him when I was six years old. So we've been wow. friends for so long back when i was living in belgium as a kid and uh he had a business background and i knew him because we were good friends and he was ambitious as well and he wanted to do something something that matters and something for him so that's why when we invited him to come and check out what we were doing and see if he wanted to join he did he worked with us for two weeks and he was like oh yeah i'm, I'm coming i'm joining so that's how we ended up with uh, the essentially the three founders and um as things evolved, really, as the thing, as the business got more and more complex and there was just more and more things to handle is when we started realizing that it, we, we couldn't all do everything. Yeah. So people had to specialize. And essentially, the only way we picked special specialties was pretty much what do you like best. Mm. All three of us, you know, we're, we're fairly, fairly competent guys. We've got got degrees from nice and good universities. So it's not like there was significant skill differences between us. So it, it didn't make sense, for instance, to have one do the mathematics because he was better. I mean, financials, when I say mathematics, <laughs> financials, because he was better at mathematics or something like that. We didn't really have that because for myself, for instance, I have a statistics degree, but it just wasn't what I enjoyed. Yeah. So a guy who does finances. And on the contrary, I quite like, you know, what we're doing right now. I quite like the speaking. I quite like writing. I quite mm -hmm. like being engaging. So I do the pitching. I do the yeah. pitching. I do the chatting on podcasts. I do writing, writing our story. I do a lot of that just because I like it best. So we ended up with uh, Terry, who's my, my co-founder from Imperial. So he essentially became CFO. So these titles, we pick them because it's just the roles they yeah, yeah. most. 
I became COO because I deal a lot with the suppliers. I do a lot of the um, a lot of the operations, really, day to day, a lot of these kind of communication events. And Adrien, he became CTO because he's the guy who's in touch mostly with the manufacturers, who makes sure that things happen on a, on a tangible side. But it's still really flexible. Like yeah. CTO, we call him CTO, but if I need support with something, he's come and supports me. If uh, Terry needs support, so the roles—they're not—they're not hard set roles. They're just roles that work for what we like best. Yeah, exactly. And you've been going a, a year and a half now. What have you seen? What what challenges have you come across as a business, rather than the huge challenge of climate change that you're trying to conquer here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well. <laughs> Everything takes a lot longer than you plan, I would say, was our first lesson. Yeah. So the first, I'd say, actually, one of the challenges that delayed us significantly after we succeeded in making our first prototypes is uh, because we actually succeeded. The first, very first prototypes we made, we did them within a year. Within a year wow. of saying, we're going to do this, we managed to do our first prototypes. Fantastic. Now, we're actually half a year after those first prototypes, and we're only starting to see are almost final models so within within sight of launch but we still don't have those final launch models so that actually i would say is due to when you're new when you're small even though you have a great idea people they don't know if you're worth their time Mm. so a lot of manufacturers we've worked with the guys we work with are are brilliant because the reason they work with us is because they they like our message they like what we stand for and they're willing to put in some effort to support us because, because they believe in what we do and because they also want to do something like that. Yeah. So our manufacturers and suppliers that we still work with to this day, even though it's taken so long, are people who are like that, who adhere to our message. But the reality of it, the hard truth is, if you're not going to order tons of materials from a supplier sure. or thousands of pairs from a manufacturer, then you're just not a priority. Mm. And types. It takes a lot of their time because they're trying new things. They're doing stuff that, especially with us, they've never done before. They've never even tried those materials. And they've got no guarantee that we're going to order anything at the end of the day because yeah. we don't know <laughs> what we're going to order or how much we're going to order from them. So I'd say that was one of the biggest challenges, just being being the small guy. You yeah. really have to, And the only way to overtake that challenge is to, you always have to be like, really 100% integrity, always deliver on time what you promise, always make sure that um, you support the people. If they're not coming back to you, it's almost your problem. It's not their problem. So it's it's our responsibility to figure out, you know, what's going on? Why are you not coming back to us? Yeah. Is it we didn't provide? Is it something you're dealing with? You really have to keep that communication ongoing and be responsible for everything because as the small guy, no one's going to be responsible for you massively that that, that's almost the quote of the year i think for founders no one's responsible for you it's uh i've heard it a lot already this year um (laughs) being being that small guy being that small i I guess you guys are almost classed as a manufacturing company right almost yeah we could be yeah yeah and where are you doing the manufacturing you do it in the uk or in asia right now we actually work in spain spain and portugal Ah. we work mostly uh, we have intentions of bringing it in-house in the future, but yeah. currently, you know, the best, because the way we've designed our, our sandals, the new ones, we've actually made them in a way that we're fully responsible. So right. once, once they're old and done with, once you don't want them anymore, we take them back and yeah. we can get new pairs from that pair that we sold you originally. Yeah. And 
get a discount on your next pair. Yeah. So because of that idea, we wanted to set up in Europe because we wanted to be able to recuperate them and manage them in Europe without having to ship them back to Asia. Yeah, long-term cost. Yeah, exactly. And even just the environmental impact is why yeah. we, it was it just fit better with our mission. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that's why we wanted to set up in Europe. And when we had a look at Europe, just the better places for what we work on, our, our, our products, was just Spain and Portugal. We looked yeah. at the UK a bit, but the UK is really, really high-end, high-end shoes. It's not really a sandal country. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder Italy. why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the weather is just... Yeah. <laughs> Italy was quite a good contender as well, but we just got better answers from Spain and Portugal. Ah, that's, that's interesting. And what's really great to hear is that the manufacturers are on board with your mission, or on board with your message. Um, that must be a really nice... That must have been a really nice relief to you when they were when they were communicating that. Yeah, well, it was, it was, and it took also us being like really honest and open with them saying, you know, this, this is what we're up to, because we know we're not going to be your number one client tomorrow. But, you know, this is, this is why we're doing this. So this is why we're asking you out of the blue, even though we don't Mm. know, and we have no contact with you to give us a hand. Exactly. So the prototype is ready. You've done that. You've, You've signed it off as a business. Yes. What's next? When when could when can people start wearing these upcycled, amazing new ocean sandals? Have you got a funky name for them, or are you just calling them new ocean sandals? Currently, we're just calling them new ocean sandals. We don't we don't have anything. We've been toying with the idea of beach sandals, but it's not it's not really fun. Yeah. It's just it's yeah. just another objective. So <laughs> for now, just new oceans. But that's a very good question, and I wish I could give a sir. <laughs> Because I've been giving a definitive answer for a while, and now I have to face the truth that that is not that's not going to be my final answer. But I am doing um, my utmost, and the guys with me are doing their utmost, so that we can deliver. The very first people who will get a hand on those sandals will be this summer. Yeah how uh, how have you done um, pre demand for it at the moment? So so far, because we've actually had to delay launch so many times, we've limited the amount of pre-orders we've been taking because we don't want we want we want to take those pre-orders once we know what the product will look like or at least almost 100 percent final product and that will be that will be by the end of this month mid mid next month we will have those final models and from there we intend to actually start showing because we've got a lot of people who've said mostly right now friends and families to be honest because you know that's we've only just started to share our message yeah of course yeah um, across the wider web but yeah people people who hear about us they like the idea fantastic we'll have liked the the first kind of mvp model uh, you can see it on our instagram i actually forgot to bring one with me right now but <laughs> it's on our instagram at new oceans ltd there we go um so you can see you can see what that mvp looks like minimal viable product yeah. but um, yeah that's that's how we've done pre-orders people we know people we've met uh, events events we go and have a chat at yeah speaking really from from where i'm sitting it sounds like this would have been a really great business to go down the crowdfunding route why didn't you do that yeah well that's a very good question because that's exactly what we were talking about today yeah um right now we're actually at this stage where essentially we're going to need some some uh, to to create those few pairs and to launch to launch this product and we've got a bunch of different routes open to us. And I'd say the two obvious ones for us specifically are the angel route and mm-hmm. the crowdfunding route. 
Yeah, massively. Have their pros and cons, and a combination of both is probably what we're going to end up going for. But crowdfunding is totally, totally the perfect. We, well, we are we are a very good company for a crowdfunding approach. Yeah, exactly. Sage, because of what we created, so that is definitely not something I would say we haven't done. We're we're not doing. It's just something we haven't done yet. Yeah. It is. It is extremely likely we will be running a crowdfunding campaign spring, spring this year. Very exciting. And are you already talking to angel investors or not quite yet? Yes, yes. We have also started talking to angel investors, like both both of which the crowdfunding and the angels we're doing at the same time. This yeah. twenty, we were like, okay, this is the year. Now <laughs> happens. We've we've talked about it. We've worked on it. Now we launch. It doesn't matter what the launch look like. Looks like we will launch. So we started the year twenty twenty with essentially kind of recap where we're at, where we're going. And we realized, you know, these are two things we need to do. We need to settle on crowdfunding or angels or a combination of both and come up with a strategy that's going to work. So, you know, right now I'm speaking to, uh, so I'm meeting with two angels already next week. We've already spoken to four or five and I'm starting to speak to even more of them as, as we talk now. Fantastic. No, that's really good to hear. I was, I was getting slightly worried that you were just going to, be limited to you know your friends and family and who they know um it's always quite scary when you see businesses re or not rely on it but not have that other options in their heads yeah but i mean the honest truth is that's where you start yeah that's yeah of course really where you start because even even some of the angels we found you know you find them through the friend of a friend of a friend at the end of the day mm -hmm. and that's how you get that introduction in the first yeah. place Every, everyone knows someone right yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, what have what have you seen in in the UK in terms of the who you've spoken to already in terms of the reception to it and how that is how the reception is going to plan into the the that original idea you know that idea when you were sat in your mum's um, front living room and it was that pin drop moment where you all kind of went yeah this this could be it. Yeah, I think being, to be fair, being in uh, Western Europe and the UK specifically has been a really good, really good place to be in and a really strong catalyst for us doing this in the first place, because especially in Europe, um, Southeast Asia to an extent as well, they've definitely started that conversation a lot. The US, touch and go, <laughs> depends who you speak to. Yeah. Europe and in the UK specifically, it's just, it's really an ongoing topic of conversation. You've got David Attenborough here, who's a huge figure, and um, and people know about him. And he, mm. you know, he's been talking about this. He had his show specifically on um, on plastic quite recently. So it's uh, it's a really big conversation in the UK. The plastic massively. How do you, how do you get David Attenborough wearing New Ocean sandals? That's the that's, dream, right? That's the question we have we have pondered upon. We have wondered maybe we should just go knock on his door with a box and uh, leave leave it there by the by the entrance with a note <laughs> exactly S send him a pair every day this year and he'll eventually <laughs> but then i think that's contradicting the whole purpose of it but yeah we we don't we don't want to because they're going <laughs> to waste those poor pairs <laughs> yeah no you just leave them on his doorstep if they're if they're still there in 24 hours you donate them somewhere else exactly um, we, we need to check his shoe size though yeah i'm sure someone <laughs> i'm sure you can work that out somehow you must be able to yeah um what what's you know, I'm I'm always interested in because I've got some clients that are two, three num three people founders. How's that for you in terms of being a, in a dynamic where you're three main founders with a with a couple of other co-founders? I would say that to me was essential. This none of this would have happened if I didn't have at least one other founder with me. Mm. 
I'm not going to flatter myself here saying like I would have gone at it by myself, being like, here we go. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to do it all by myself. That is totally untrue. I was really comfortable where I was. I was doing well in my my chosen career. Things were things were happening for me. And uh, to an extent, I was happy with what I was doing. I wasn't really satisfied, which is why, you know, all this happened. But I was, I was doing well. So this having this dynamic, this extra founder who is, is not just a founder. You know, it's not like I said, oh, I have this idea. I'm going to go out, look for someone who's all, who also wants to start a business. It's really, a, it's a really good friend. The first founder, you know, we knew each other for six years when we started this. We lived with each other for two years out of those six years and um, during university. And the, um, and the other founder, as I mentioned, you know, I met him when I was six, he was seven. Yeah. So through school, through many years of school together, even though our paths diverged after school, we stayed in contact and um, having that dynamic is really, really important because it's like having someone you can be open with. And actually that is something that came up a few times. It almost, we got to a point where we started being transactional with each other and where it was business. And we, and we became these business partners. Mm. Forgot that, you know, we're not business partners to start with, we're friends. And it was when, when we had that realization, which was actually, not that long ago, probably six, seven months ago. So we'd already been going for a while. We realized that we'd lost that and that made the adventure a lot less fun. And it was all about business and it wasn't really a, an adventure of people and having these close relationships and, you know, restoring the fact that we're friends and we need to be there for each other as well as for the business really makes it work. Because if I didn't have the support of these, these two friends I have and even the rest of the team, it just wouldn't work for me. Yeah, definitely. I that's that's really nicely put. I think that that issue comes a lot comes up a lot where the founders are, are friends first, and then they then they forget that friendship, and they forget the purpose of why they started the business. And that key word you just said, the fun, right? Mm. Building and running a business shouldn't be the most serious thing you do in your life. It should be fun. It should be passionate. It should be driven. Uh, and the moment that fun and passion sort of starts to fade, you really notice it, right? I bet you felt yeah. it. And I bet there was some friction within the team and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, what have you put in place to make sure that doesn't happen again? Well, I think one thing uh, one thing we put in place was to, because, you know, actually, we live, two of us are, are here in the UK, but the other founder is in Belgium still. So we we have a lot of meetings. We, we do them via video call like this and um one thing we put in place is that when we have these meetings we actually re recreate for ourselves represent for ourselves why we do what we do and that's something that we we keep bringing up because otherwise you know speaking to all these angels writing this billionth grant application crunching to the, it's not fun it's, yeah. not, it's not even inspiring it's just it's just work but why we do it is what's what's there for us so i think that's that's one thing we do we always bring back we bring back why mm -hmm. what this what we're up to and another thing we do is we make sure that we have chats about how's personal life what are you dealing with like just honestly what's going on right now is it are you feeling down because you know we don't have enough income right now so we're kind of tight on things or is your girlfriend and your relationship with your girlfriend being a bit rough right now, anything really that's yeah. happening is something we bring up to each other 
so that we can support each other with it. Fantastic. That's that sounds like you guys have really found the flow of how your business dynamic should work. It's yeah, really, it's, really, it's just great to hear. So, like, you know, we especially with the sort of business you have, where you want it to be long last and you want to be able to create this change this difference you've got to have that such a strong foundation for mm. the founders which you guys have cracked by the sounds of it, which is fantastic congratulations on that um yes. so new oceans project you know soon to be in people's feet or hands i don't know how we want to sell it <laughs> what else apart from the funding rounds that you guys have set for 2020 what else is happening this year for you guys so actually, because uh, that's a really good question, because New Ocean, so obviously is is about, so it's about this these funding rounds, it's about these flip flops, sorry sandals, old flip flops, new sandals, uh, that we wanna that we wanna sell, that we wanna create. But we're actually one thing that came up quite early when we were debating where we wanna go and what we wanna create is that we really think this is a first step. You know, it's really important to get that plastic out of the ocean and do something with it and be responsible with our with our um, sorry, with our products, with our materials, what we sell, what we use, but reusing and picking up is never going to be the solution. Mm. And you really need to get, you need to get down to what the problem, the root problem is at the, in the first place. And as far as we're concerned, the root problem is consumerism, education in, in the, the, the status quo and the, just the way people keep being taught and think right now. And we need to get to a really young age to, Get people because kids they they know they don't want to be killing the planet they don't want to yeah. be thing every day they don't want to all this stuff that we just take for granted because mm. we've been around it for a while so if they're educated straight from the start if they get shown in fun happy ways what it could be like and what they can do about it we really think that they will not make these mistakes and if they don't make them then once we go no one will be making them anymore yeah so we've we've actually quite early in our in our project we partnered with a children's book author because wow. our idea was really cool and uh, and I was messing around in the kitchen having a laugh and saying you know it wouldn't be cool if we had the story of Flippy and Floppy and uh, and what they do to save the oceans and from there we're like wait a minute this could work so she is working well has worked she's finished writing this book that is essentially a really lively happy book for young children to show them via what we do, what they can do about the, 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 the situation and where we're at, where we could go and to, in an uplifting manner, show them the way forward. So this book is, is essentially written and everything we do about it, that, that entire book is not for profit. So our, our next big step after these flip-flops is to get this book printed on this new material as well that we found. It's a material that doesn't require any water. Oh, wow waterproof completely recyclable so the book itself is also really responsible and um and yeah so we want to get that book written published schools i'm guessing start getting it yeah start getting it out to to schools to cash mm. programs to whoever and all of it not for profit everything we sell to the book every profit we make is all to be reinvested in more beach cleans education programs in developing countries like just as responsible as we can on a social side as well yeah the environmental problem will only be solved if the social problem is tackled as well through the education yeah yeah uh the education is the, the is the the hardest bit though isn't it it's because you can like you said kids are already saying that 
they don't want to they don't want to ruin the planet they're already having these conversations which is great uh, and from what i've seen from like quite a young age which is incredible because i i remember in primary school we weren't having those conversations right no. um but this they're, they're still going home to the older generation that put, to put it lightly i guess probably don't care as much um how do you battle that though how do you how do you get the parents to read the book to the child well that's a very good question how do you get the parents to be fair i think it's not even us who will get the parents to do it. it's actually the children mm. the children's are the one who are talking about these things bringing yeah. them going to their parents being like mom you know i just learned today that uh, if we eat beef every day, the planet's going to die. So I don't want to eat this steak anymore. Uh, yeah. We need less meat or or whatever. And then the parents, I think, are actually the ones who cave into the children mm. and, do, and do what the children want. So we almost think that if we get the children to see these things and be interested and be engaged, they don't. They almost don't know when to shut up. So they, yeah. go, they say these things and then the parents are kind of forced into it. And the more parents do it, the more the resistant ones will do it. And uh, yeah, I think we need to be as responsible as we can, our generations, and they are also the future generation and any resistance in between, it needs to come from both both ends, yeah. both being directly to people being like, look, this is what needs to change. And from the children being like, look, mom, dad, this doesn't work. I learned it at school. We need to do something about it. Yeah, you need you need to get the children as highly motivated as, as they are in a sweet shop when they want some candy. <laughs> exactly. That, that's the that's look, the goal. Look, kids on the streets. I wasn't on the streets when I was a child. <laughs> they they the are street? they are motivated. You know what I mean? The um, the marches, the school, the Friday. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought yeah, you yeah. just meant like playing in the street. I was like, <laughs> no, I, no, sorry, I, sorry. I always yeah, rode yeah. my bike in the street. No, I was on the streets as well. We could have gone into like a really oh, dark place of your childhood then. I was like, okay, <laughs> let's, let's pull it out. No, no, no. The um, protest, yeah, yeah, protesting. Um, you see, you, you do see it. You see a massive um age shift in what people are wanting, which is fantastic. And we need. I completely on board with this. We need more of it. We need better educa education. Um, I think we need to be. Personally, I also think we need to be educating the older generation or re-educating mm -hmm. the older generation. Um, and getting that care factor in somehow. I'm, you know, I don't know how that could be done in a easy way to reach them because the great thing is with educating children and young people it's a very easy in you know you can get yeah. in through the schools through even through facebook ads and things like this where they're hanging out so it's a very easy win um which and that book idea is is great uh and i'm really glad that you're you're really making new ocean more than a product company and you're making yeah. it like, you, you know you're making it that pioneering company uh, and I think that's that's what's going to make it make that change and make it last and make you guys go through the investment rounds and get products out there. And as we all know, a product is really just a it's just like an enabler for something else. Right. Yes, totally. Uh, and that's fantastic. So, you know, I ask all my guests at the end, what are three things that anyone listening to this that you would love to just give them three really good tips or value that they should be listening and taking on board is that anyone anyone or anyone an entrepreneur anyone anyone normally typical listeners and watchers are fellow founders and fellow entrepreneurs 
Um, I would say one of the one of the key things for me is whatever you do, never do it alone. Find find some people that matter to you. Find some people that will be close to you with you. That's one. Number two, always remind yourself why you're doing what you do. Always hold on to that. That's really important. And number three, get out there. Speak to people. Make sure you spend more time with others than you do with yourself. Yeah. If you're dealing with your ideas and your internal thoughts, speak <laughs> to people. That, that, yeah, that last one is spot on. And one of the reasons I actually started doing a, like uh, live events, network events last year is because a lot of my clients were saying that they were they were fed not getting fed up but they were, they wanted space where they can just chat to fellow like-minded people yeah um, and network like that flavia thank you so much for coming on and sharing this you, this business with you if anyone wants to connect with you or, or new oceans what's the best way for them to do that uh anyone who wants to stay up to date to new with new oceans i would say the um, instagram instagram is a great place to be and our newsletter so if you go onto our website newoceans.com that's new with a u you can sign up to our newsletter down there and with me personally just get in touch via linkedin linkedin is the best place to get in touch with me and i'll i'll answer <laughs> Here, we hold you to that now <laughs> thank you so much once again uh, this has thank been you. found 365 i've been Stephen hagty thanks everyone for watching and listening